We're studying the sayings of Jesus, and uh, today we have a saying that I think is very significant. Would you say that the last thing Jesus said before he ascended to the Father would be an important thing? It is an important thing that he said, and that's what we're going to look at today. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. And these are the last words of Jesus before he was taken up into heaven. So I'd like for us to look at them, and they'll be the basis for our study today. So Jesus had um, gone to the cross and paid for our sins. And as you know, he was, he was buried in a tomb. And then um, on the third day after his crucifixion, uh, women went to the tomb to uh, anoint his body, and, and the, the stone is rolled away, and he's not there. And so um, he's risen from the dead. He later gets in touch with the disciples, and he's with them for 40 days. And then, um, unbeknownst to them, but um, 40 days later, he's with them. And they ask him this question, and let's begin reading in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was their way of saying, Lord, we want to know the, the timing of your coming and of the end of things. And, and uh, Jesus says to them in verse 7, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And that's still the case for us today. It's not for us to know when Christ is going to come back and when all of these things are going to be happening. Um, God knows those things. In fact, Jesus said, I don't even know those things. The angels in heaven don't know those things. And certainly that's not, nothing for you to be concerning yourself with either. But what he does say is this, and these are his words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow, significant. We've looked at that in the past, mainly from the standpoint of the first part of that verse. Uh, our interest has been in the coming of the Holy Spirit and the power that we would receive uh, through the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's legitimate. That's uh, certainly a very powerful part of this passage. But there's another part of the passage which I really believe um, is uh, pertinent to us today and especially to the comment of the disciples. Their concern was, um, should we focus, should we take time out of our lives, even should we devote a major part, or, part of our lives to figuring out when the Lord is going to come back? And he says, no, that's not for you to know. But he says this, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. And so he's saying, the thing that you're going to be spending your time on is being my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He doesn't even frame it 
as a command. There's no imperative here, grammatically speaking, but it's um, a, a simple statement of what will be. And that's because he knows what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes on them. He knows that this is what he's prepared them for, that this is God's will. And um, he's confident that they will live in that calling and that they will devote their lives to being his witnesses all over the world. It was so powerful and so important that they be his witnesses. No one else had been with him like they had. No one else had seen him die, be buried, and then rise again like they had. They were uniquely qualified to talk about what Jesus had done. And so they went to the ends of the earth and they did that. And they talked about it. And they just told their story. They weren't necessarily great salesmen, um, although maybe some were, um, but they had seen an important thing. They had seen important events in Jesus' life. And so they were able, based on that, to be absolutely qualified witnesses of um, what he had done and uh, the miracle of his resurrection. And so they began to do that. In the same way, God has uniquely qualified you and me to be his witnesses. There are things that we can testify to that no one else can. There are circumstances in your life that you can testify to where God moved in and he acted in your behalf that are unique, that no one else can tell other than you. There are things in my life that I've experienced that no one else can tell the story like I can. I'm not the best salesman in the world. I couldn't make a living at selling things. And maybe you're like that, or maybe you aren't like that. Maybe that's your, your thing and you, you would be good at it. Uh, it doesn't matter. The thing that's important is that you've witnessed things and God wants you to tell what you've seen and experienced. And he wants me to do the very same thing. And so that's, that's the focus that he foresaw for the disciples. And um, he, he prophesied this to them in his very last words. These are his drop dead last words on earth. And uh, they are that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was to be their focus, not trying to figure out when the Lord would come back. I'd like you to look at other last words of Jesus. These are not the, 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 the very last words, but these are, for instance, um, in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, I'd like you to see the words with which Matthew closes his gospel. These came at, towards the end. They weren't the very last thing that Jesus said, but uh, they came towards the end. And let's read them. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now this is a command. I'd like us to go back to verse 19. I think it, we'll see it there. 
Yes, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In the, in the original Greek language, the strong imperative is on the word make disciples. It reads something like this. Therefore, going, make disciples of all nations. And so that's the emphasis. And there's two parts to making disciples. The first part is um, bringing people to faith in Jesus. And that's where this baptizing comes in. When do we baptize people? It's following their conversion, following their uh, confession of faith in the Lord Jesus, following their um, belief that he is God's son and that when he died, he died for them. When a person believes and commits to that end, then we baptize them. And so the, the first part of making disciples is to bring them to faith in Jesus and to confirm that faith and to confirm that conversion through baptism and then to teach them. And this is uh, where verse 20 comes in. Um, We use the words, or Jesus used the words, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that's what we're doing in uh, in these lessons on the sayings of Jesus. We're going back over the things that he said, and we're relearning them for ourselves. In a sense, we're, we're being discipled by the sayings of Jesus, and he was telling them to do the very same thing, that as people come to faith in Jesus and they're baptized, then they're to be taught the things that he had commanded. And uh, his assurance that he would be with them to the very end of the age uh, through the Holy Spirit Uh, What an amazing thing. So these are, again, some of the last words of Jesus. And notice the the same theme. Uh, The theme is that of making disciples, which involves that two-step process of bringing people to faith in Christ and teaching them how to live for him. And uh, Jesus in uh, Acts 1.8 had said pretty much the same thing. You're going to be my witnesses Um, so that people can come to faith in in me all over the world. Let's look at another place where Jesus has spoken in a similar way. And that would be John 20, 21. This is towards the end of the book of John and uh, probably um, among the last words that Jesus said to uh, the group of disciples uh, before uh, he left this world. He said, Peace be with you. And he had suddenly appeared to them. And then he says this, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, at first glance, this may not seem to have anything to do with witnessing or uh, bringing people to faith in Jesus or being part of that whole process. But as as you dig a little deeper, um, it has quite a bit to do with that. Let's look at a passage in Luke 4, 18 and 19. This is Jesus speaking early on in his ministry, and he said said this in a synagogue, and he quotes from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so um, when Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you, he's saying, in this way, you go too. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Those two words, good news, are the words for gospel. That's the good news that um, we can be forgiven through faith in Jesus. That's the good news that God sent his son to die for our sins. And so Jesus is saying, that's how the Father sent me, to proclaim those things. And now I'm sending you to proclaim the very same things. Another uh, verse that will give us help in understanding what Jesus meant when he said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you, is Luke verse 19 or chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus has just spent time at the home of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has become a believer, and uh, Jesus has shared uh, the gospel with his friends and his former uh, co-workers and people that he hung with. And uh, he closes his uh, time with them by answering a, a critical question that the Pharisees had posed, and they, they wondered why he was spending time with sinners. And he says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why God, and that's how God, sent Jesus. He sent him with the task of seeking and saving the lost. And so when Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you, He's sending us with the same task, to seek and save the lost. We can't save the lost ourselves, but what we can do is tell the story of Jesus so that people can believe and be saved by God's mighty power. So Jesus makes it clear that um, our task on earth needs to be very much wrapped up in the whole business of sharing the good news with people who don't know him and seeing men and women come to faith in Christ and then to see them grow in that faith through um, the way that we disciple them. I'd like you to look at one other passage that will further clarify what Jesus meant when he said, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And this is John 21 verses 15 through 17. This is a one-on-one encounter that Jesus had with Simon Peter. And uh, he's speaking to him, and, and let's just read it together, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Simon, or Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. And so in this encounter, Jesus is emphasizing to Peter the second part of that making of disciples. 
The first part being bringing people to faith in Jesus, um, confirming that commitment through baptism. And then the second part, um, teaching them and helping them to live the Christian life. I heard somebody say just this week that uh, when they came to faith in Jesus, that nobody had taught them how to live the Christian life. And they had uh, floundered because of that. And uh, this person was uh, encouraging others to take the step of when somebody is new in the faith to, um, to go ahead and, and disciple those people, to teach them how to live for Jesus. And Jesus is certainly doing that with Peter here. Well, let me ask you the question, uh, did the disciples get it? Did they realize that their job on earth was not about figuring out when he was coming back, but it was about sharing the good news, getting the gospel out there? I would say that uh, you would have to be blind if you're reading the New Testament not to see that they were totally engrossed in that in that um, effort. Reading the book of Acts, right away we see Peter on the day of Pentecost standing up after being filled with the Spirit and preaching mightily um, and telling people that this Jesus who they crucified has risen from the dead and uh, by believing in him uh, you can be saved and forgiven and, and people were confessing their sins and they were believing and being baptized and uh, people were being added to the church on a daily basis because uh, the Holy Spirit was moving and the disciples and the other followers of Jesus were freely sharing what they, what they knew about Jesus, which was that he died and rose again and that he offers eternal life. So Peter got it. Um, I'd like for you to to look at a passage now in John. And uh, this is John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. Let me just say a little bit more about Peter. Not only did he preach on the day of Pentecost, but he was um, involved in sharing the good news in, in uh, wherever he could. One of the most notable places that I remember is uh, found in Acts chapter 10. And we won't go there right now, but let's at least talk about what happened. Um, he was in a certain town and, and uh, had a vision. And in the vision, God made it clear to him, to Peter, who was a Jew, that he needed to reach beyond his Jewish roots in his sharing of his faith. And so uh, God provided the, him with an opportunity to go to the home of a Gentile man who was seeking God. And Peter was able to share the gospel with uh, this group of people who had gathered in this home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And uh, as he preached, the Holy Spirit fell and these people became believers and then were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, just an amazing story that Peter had figured into because Peter was obedient to Jesus uh, last words where he said, you're going to be witnesses for me. How about John? John was one of the disciples who was very close to Jesus. And uh, we, have one, we have more than one of his books. We actually have uh, five of his books 
in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, the three epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then the book of Revelation. And so um, John was the writer of those three books. In the Gospel, he makes it clear why he wrote the Gospel. And uh, look at this with me, John 20, 30, and 31. This is John speaking now. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote his gospel so that people would believe in Jesus. It was like a track, so to speak, like a, a succinct writing that had the purpose of proving that Jesus was the Messiah so that people would believe. Um, that's why John wrote his gospel. He makes it very clear. And so he got what Jesus said at the very end. He, in, in his own way, was taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, and he did it through his pen. He wrote down the things that Jesus did that would particularly lead people to faith in, in Jesus. If you look at the book of John, he leaves out a lot of things. Um, he leaves out more things that he includes. He includes only a few things, but those things that he includes, he dwells on them, and he expands on them, and he writes about them in such a way that people can see that Jesus was God's son and believe in him. What about people that believed um, in Jesus through their testimony? People like the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul, as you know, was not a believer. In fact, was a persecutor of the church. Was on his way to Damascus with um, letters of authority from the high priest in Jerusalem to arrest people that were believers in Jesus. And on the way, he's confronted directly by the Lord, by Jesus. And uh, he hears the voice of Jesus speaking to him from heaven. He's blinded. He has a conversion experience. Later, he's healed. His eyes are restored. And it just seems that from that day on, he has this passion to share the good news with other people. There was a time of teaching where he, and prayer and, and getting to know God better and get, getting to know his son. And uh, he spent a lot of time preparing, but he also was very passionate about sharing uh, what had happened to him. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9.16, Peter says this. He says, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. And uh, I think the compulsion he was feeling was, yes, a call from God, but it was also a strong desire on his part. And he says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. In other words, this is, this is the compelling thing of my life, preaching the gospel, making Christ known, particularly to Gentiles, so that they can believe on him and be saved. I want to ask you a question. Have you and I, have we heard Jesus' last words? 
the words that we've referred to today, um, the Great Commission, as it's called in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Have we heard what Jesus said in, in the book of John? Um, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Have we heard what Jesus said in the very last words he spoke before he was taken up into heaven? That you'll be my witnesses. If we haven't, I hope that by sharing the things that Jesus said today, we'll once again reconsider what our task needs to be. At some level, we need to be involved in sharing the good news of Jesus. We need to be involved as his witnesses, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It doesn't necessarily mean that um, every one of us is going to travel uh, to other parts of the world and, and preach um, on a stage with a microphone. Um, but what it means is that there's, a, there's a, a burning in every one of our hearts to share Jesus with anyone who needs to know him. That can be somebody in our family. I, I can't think of anything more important than parents sharing Jesus with their children. That's, that's taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Just a few years ago, our daughter was able to lead her daughter to Jesus at home. Um, our granddaughter had um, heard about Jesus in Sunday school, had been thinking about him and asked her mom if she could give her heart to Jesus. And, and so our daughter was able to lead our granddaughter to faith in Jesus. That's, that's evangelism. That's taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Some of us have been called to um, share Jesus with somebody who's a, a friend, um, somebody we work with, somebody that lives near us, uh, somebody that we have something in common with. And um, it may be a short process or it may be a very long process. It may involve years of time, but um, we're faithful in that because God has called us to do that. One of the things that we can do for sure is that we can pray. And uh, one of the things that Jesus said to his disciples when they were walking on this earth, he said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. And so for us, um, God is, is asking us at least to pray, to pray that people will come to faith in Jesus, to pray that other um, laborers will be sent into the harvest. In other words, people who can share the good news with others. We need to pray that for, especially for countries where uh, there are not many believers, and yet there are, there's a great population some of the Muslim nations of the world. We need to pray that God will raise up um, people to, um, to bring in the harvest in those Muslim nations, communist nations, um, even in our own nation where we think everyone 
at least knows about Jesus, which is not the case. There are many that don't. And uh, we need to pray that, that uh, the gospel will go forward in the nation, our nation as well. You know, I, I've heard people say, and I've often said this, I'm, I'm not an evangelist, that's not my gift. Um, I can't, I can't, I couldn't sell ice cubes uh, to an Eskimo like some of, some people I know could. The issue is not what kind of a salesman are we? The issue is, um, have we been given experiences with God that we can make known to others? And the answer to it is yes, on every, in every case, yes. We've experienced things, we've seen things that we can share with someone. And God will arrange people to come into our lives that need to hear what we have to share. Our testimony will be just the right thing to help them in their journey towards God. And so um, I wanna remind us today that um, Jesus' last words were, you will be my witnesses. Let's be his witnesses. Let me pray with you. Oh God, I pray that uh, rather than striking fear in our hearts that as though we would have to go out and stand on a soapbox and with a microphone and scream uh, Bible verses or have to explain deep theological truths to people and, and feel inadequate, that you're calling us to do something that you've prepared us for, to share the things that we've seen in our own lives about God with others, people that need to hear just what we have to say. May we be bold in doing that. May we recognize your divine appointments that you set up for us to, uh, to share with people. And may we be effective. May we be your witnesses, just like you predicted that we would be. May we witness close to home. May we witness wherever we go. May we be witnesses uh, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.